0: This week, Anne and Nick talked to Dr. Joseph Tucker, CEO of Enveric Biosciences, a biotechnology company dedicated to the development of novel neuroplastogen therapeutics for the treatment of neuropsychiatric disorders. Dr. Joe joins us to discuss the latest news and milestones for his company, including the selection of EB-003 as its lead candidate in its EVM-301 series, plus advice to the retail investor audience on continuing drug discovery investments in the psych space. In this episode, Dr. Joe and our hosts also discuss psychedelic companies that are leveraging AI and how Enverick's proprietary AI technology, Psy ai integrates into their research processes. If you're interested in learning more about Dr. Joe and Enverick, visit the links in our show notes. Also, be sure to follow Enverick Biosciences on LinkedIn and Twitter. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Dr. Joseph Tucker, CEO of Enverick Biosciences.
1: Dr. Joseph Tucker, CEO of Enveric Biosciences, welcome back to The Green Rush. We're so happy to have you again. Um, and congratulations, you were just named one of Benzinga's 30 Psychedelic Executive science, Scientists and Influencers to watch. Um, so congrats and happy to have you back.
2: Well, thank you, Anna. It's great to be back. And I have to say uh, that's one of the grooviest awards uh, <laughs> I've ever got in my career. So. Um, thanks for that as well.
1: I mean, it's great. Like, uh, yeah. And Benzinga really was one of the first, you know, media companies to take this industry seriously. And, you know, we, we work with them closely a lot and I think it's, uh, it's, groovy like you said um <laughs> so you know it's been a while we had talked a little bit you know off air we've had you on you know in in your capacity uh, at magic med and um you know throughout the you guys have since transitioned to inveric um but we haven't had you on as the ceo of inveric so wanted to just do a quick refresher on who you are a little bit about your background um and then inveric what what's going on there
2: you're awesome. Thanks. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a scientist originally, but I came over to the dark side industry uh, where the dark side here, something like 20, 25 years ago, I've lost track um, and been working with little startups. Really what I love to do is work with scientists who've come up with just amazing, completely different ways to try to solve major issues. There's nothing more exciting to me than you know, a brand new idea, as, and as far out of the left field as possible, which of course is what attracted me uh, to the psychedelics. What a exciting field! Doing stuff that was, you know, taboo five years ago, and now it's it's becoming mainstream. So, you know, love the love the psychedelic space. Love what we're doing here. And I guess my my own history, as you said, and at and Veric, we originally had started this psychedelics company called it Magic Med, but we're acquired uh, actually a bit over two years ago now. So I've been the CEO here at Enveric since that acquisition. I guess, gosh, it's like almost two and a half years ago now, I think. I mean,
1: but in psychedelic times, it's like it's like 10 years, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) That's funny. My my CFO who joined eight months ago tells me he thinks he's been here for 10 years because you're right in psychedelics times. Uh, two and a half years is a, is a, a thousand years. Yeah. So and, and we've gone through a heck of a lot of changes at Enveric, too, in that time. You know, the original um, business model, which was uh, sort of these cannabinoid um, based technologies, when Enveric, the psychedelics entity was bought, all of those have been uh, you know vended out or turned off, basically stopped. And we focused entirely in the psychedelic space. We spent the last two years generating new psychedelic molecules, new drugs to push forward into this mental health arena, and we've learned a lot. Not only have we made, uh, and we have this thing we call the cyber, we, we've made literally more than a thousand novel drug compounds to, to test, You know, far more shots on goal than we know what to do with, honestly. And, and we used actually some artificial intelligence to use it, this thing called Psy AI. We used that for a bit as we created it. But we've learned so much as an industry, uh, you know, all the clinical trials that are going on and what we're doing at Enveric. It's really helped us to narrow our focus on what I think is the most exciting thing that's happening right now. You know, when the psychedelic sector got started, there was some academics kind of some fringe they'll they'll kill me for saying that some of them are my friends some fringe academics testing psychedelics in mainstream universities kind of pushing the envelope and they had got some interesting data but it was still very much an academic exercise and it was really stimulated by the knowledge that psychedelics are having this profound impact on patients on individuals but not really knowing why. And you know, that's where we were three years ago. Fast forward to today, now we've had a lot of really top level biologists, scientists have been asking these questions for the last few years, digging into the brain, trying to figure out what's going on. How do these psychedelics work? Because it's one thing from somebody who uses it, I'm not saying, the one thing from somebody who uses it to say, it changed my life, I had this amazing experience, and now I'm better. Yeah. But like s- medically, physically, what happened in your brain? Well, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But like what physically happened and now it's different, right? Now we have scientists who've been looking at the brain, figuring out what's going on. And that has given us, boy, there's such greater laser focus now on how to get a molecule. That's going to work, how to get a drug. That's going to do the best for patients so it's it's been a really exciting ride for me the last few years to really see the industry mature and also what we're doing at Embaric too.
3: And, and i think that 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 leads us really in well to the, the news that you guys made last december I, I i believe it was where you announced the selection of your lead drug candidate uh EB003 can you tell our listeners about that cuz you, like you said you you guys went through thousands of of molecules um compounds that using ai to try and see what would work what made this one stand out for your lead candidate
2: yeah so yeah we are so pumped about using a you know, non non-businessman term. Um, we're so excited about Zero Zero 3 because what we sort of realized over the last couple of years is the biggest what we all believe, what I think most of us now, scientists now believe is the main underlying mechanism of how this works is something called neuroplasticity. Essentially stimulating the brain, energizing the brain so that it can repair or rewire itself, make new connections inside the brain using the existing brain architecture. And what that really means is you want to induce neuroplasticity. You want to bind to the receptor that all psychedelics are known to bind to, the 5-HT2A. You want to induce neuroplasticity. And what we've realized in the last year or so is you may not actually need the hallucination part of it. That's the thing that's kind of, pardon the pun, blowing everybody's minds. So you actually may not need that hallucination part of it. And so with 003, we set out to test that. We said, can we make molecules? And we had to make a lot of them because most psychedelic molecules you make them, they induce hallucinations. It's, they're rare to get to get one that actually will do everything you want but doesn't also induce the hallucinations. So we had to make a lot. We had to test a lot, but that was our criteria. It has to bind that receptor. It has to do very significant neuroplasticity, induction of, of neuroplasticity in the brain, but it has to not hallucinate, not induce hallucinations. And we finally... After like literally a year, we literally spent a year making and testing molecules till we got one that that did that. And that's what we're so excited about, because the biggest issue, I think everybody is familiar with the space is really excited about the potential benefit of psychedelics. There's so much data out there, so much data continuing to come out. I think most people are, are fairly convinced these things are having a profound impact for the better. And the biggest challenge is the side effect. What they what in industry mm. is called safety profile, right? Mm. And hallucinations are the primary safety consideration. They're the, they're the reason that the leading the most advanced drugs in the space being developed, MDMA and psilocybin, are being required to be administered in a highly controlled setting right. to healthcare workers right 10 hours you're you're there you can only do it three or four times and then don't do it again for 6 months this is all because of the safety profile the concern about the hallucinations and so if you can eliminate those right you don't have to go through any of that right, right. this is this is a regular drug regular pharmaceutical drug take it every day fill in a bottle if you can get the same profound benefit or maybe more because remember with those hallucinogenics that are limited to three or four doses and then you no know doses for six months, man, that has to be powerful, right? So can you imagine you, you, you have chronic headaches. So you go, I'll take Advil twice and I won't have headaches again for six months. Right. Right. It doesn't work like that. So if you can take the same drug every day now, It doesn't have to be so powerful that you just take it three or four times. You know, the potential to give you an even better outcome for the patient, to me, seems obvious that's possible.
1: Well, and that just would make it more accessible for more people Um, because, like you said, having the 10 hours and the two medical professionals and you're, you know, either in a clinic setting or a hospital setting, like that is profoundly expensive and we've not even really... Approached how insurance would cover that or not cover that, right? And as, I mean, and you're Canadian, and God bless you, and your your um, your socialized medicine. Um, but you know, here in the U.S., we're really screwed up when it comes to that. So, you know, having that um, that even if it would be a drug that you have to take every day, I mean, it's it's it just makes it more accessible in the in a take home model, right?
2: right? Right. So many more people will take it. Just by by virtue of the fact that they don't have to go through that experience, right? They they don't have to be there with therapists. They don't have to do any of that. Just take the drug. Take it. And this was
1: right. And this was a derivative, the synthetic derivative of like of of psilocybin, right?
2: Yeah, structurally it's related. Yeah, structurally. And that was our premise, right? It has to bind to that receptor. Yeah. Because all of the effects that anyone has seen with the induction of neuroplasticity for this is running through that receptor. So, if you want to buy into, you know, get something that's going to bind to that receptor, start with a molecule you already know hits the receptor, and then just slightly tweak it a thousand times.
3: Just <laughs> what we did.
1: Slightly tweak it a th- <laughs> one thousand times.
3: Okay. Um, Love science. So, I'm sorry. So Go ahead. No, yeah. So, so you have the lead candidate. What does that mean for for you guys now going forward? What's What's next now that you have identified uh, 003?
2: Well, what I you know what I think is happening um, very quickly here in the company is the recognition that this needs to be the focus of our efforts. The you know the potential for this, and and I'll actually I'll add that the prote- potential for this that we see just looking at it is getting what's the word I'm looking for validated by our interactions with industry. In the last year, we've been to three major partnering events: Bio, Bio Europe major partnering events around the world. And so interesting, you know, we actually have a molecule we discovered earlier, which is like an improved psilocybin. It's novel, it's not quite as long of a trip, but it still causes hallucinations. And and in our conversations at industry partnering events for the last year, man, there's very little interest in the part of big biotech and big pharma for something that induces hallucinations. But there's a ton of interest there's a ton of there's far more companies we have met hmm. far more companies big guys that are interested very interested in a non-hallucinogenic molecule than there are companies making non-hallucinogenic molecules very very interesting so what we see is this is where we should be focusing our resources we should be putting everything into moving this forward as quickly as possible First, we have to get through the formal preclinical stuff. That's really the goal for 2024. That's what we're going to be doing with the goal being by the end of the year, the beginning of next year, we should be teed up to start human trials. And I'll tell you, once you've got, this is some of the other things that we've learned in, in talking with all these, these industry folks. And by the way, it was very interesting talking to them about hallucinogenic agents, and uh, how they were having you know, no interest in them. And I realized a lot of our peer companies, so I'll call them that, that are in the space that are entirely in hallucinogenic molecules probably aren't having very many conversations because you can't even really get in the door with that as your only belief system, right? Your only molecule. But what, what we're seeing is there's so much interest here. We know we want to move into the clinic as quickly as possible because the bigger companies, they're, they're falling in line scientifically with the mechanism what is now becoming the leading scientific thought which is neuroplasticity is how you do this and neuroplasticity does not require hallucinations so that's really interesting when you think about it if that's the primary trigger for big pharma Right. So eliminate the
1: trigger.
2: Is, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly, right? It's a trigger. So yeah. what you're, when you think about it, you go, so what does that mean for big pharma? Big pharma is interested. There's not that many companies doing it. So there's a bit of a seller's market, if you will. And normally, mechanism is the question. And mechanism, meaning in phase two, you do data, you do a clinical trial with actual patients and you, c- you confirm mechanism worked. But what we're hearing is, now, largely, we believe the mechanism. We just want to know whether or not you do your news hallucinations. And you figure that out in phase one. So I think this could be an interesting sector, say, the next three years, two, three years, as a handful of companies, at best, bring their non-hallucinogenics forward into the clinic.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've we been hearing a lot about that and working with a couple, a couple of companies in that space. And, you know, internally, we kind of talk about... Um, there's a there's a little bit of a maybe misnomer and a first mover advantage, um, and maybe the maps and the compasses of the world have that like first mover advantage, um, but there's uh, there's so much trial and error going on, and and I mean what M- Maps is doing is is amazing, and they're our client, and they're you know truly doing you know God's work there, um, but being that I would almost see an Enveric being like a second to market and almost like learning, learning what you have, the mistakes and the, and, you know, coming at it from a very scientific biotech standpoint, you know, you almost have it better being like the follow-up to these, you know, hero doses and, and everything like that. Is, is that how you see yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know I totally agree. And is is when you think about it, it's kind of, it's kind of analogous to the first, first people traveling from Europe, trying to find this mythical, you know, trip around to find India and, and they hit ultimately America. But yeah. the first ones coming across, they hit the Caribbean. Like, yeah, we found the Caribbean. Good for you. Cause you know, the guys that found all of North and South America did better at the end of the day. And I think it's, it's kind of like that is, I absolutely think there's a place for the the MDMA and psilocybin of the world, there are patients for whom that's going to be the best answer. But as we've talked about, the majority of patients, the much larger patient population, and I, it, it, I'm what I'm hopeful, what I'm optimistic, the greatest amount of benefit mm-hmm. will come in this, you know, this new continent that we
3: think we may have stumbled across. And, and so is that the message, I guess, to investors then? Because you guys are publicly traded. You're on the NASDAQ. ENVB will include um, the stock symbol and everything in, in the show notes there. But, um, you know, one of the things we've heard is because, like, you know, like the maps, the compasses are so far ahead. It's like, is is drug development still the right place to put um, investment dollars right now? And so I'm very interested. Like, h- how do you communicate that to the retail audience? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is one of the struggles with
2: um, – and, I don't you know, you can't blame the retail audience because they're, they're not all walking around with PhDs. And so you can't expect right. that anybody can read science papers and figure out what's going on. And
1: right? they've and been so, burned. <laughs> and
2: yeah. they've been burned. Absolutely. Yeah. You read science paper and it's like that sounds great. And then they get destroyed and, you know, totally get it. Right. So what, what I look at is, so what is, what is the retail uh, investor need to use as a proxy is something that uh, approximates, de-risking and so we use in biotech we use clinical trials late stage clinical trial the later the stage the more de-risked it is the sooner it's going to get to the hero or zero moment and i can make my money and so that's why you've seen the retail i think in particular in the last two years really be focused in the late late stage stuff which is the, the maps and the compasses of the world the GH researches, that's where people are at, right? That really late stage clinical trial, but that's all on the quest for the Caribbean, And the ones that are actually coming to the new continent, which is a lot bigger and there's a lot more here, that's this next wave and it's a much smaller group. And I think it's difficult for uh, the retail investor really to even hear about it, to understand it, to get the distinction. And so, yeah, that's part of the challenge for those of us in the second wave is yeah. is really to try to point out that the second wave is a much, much, much bigger wave than the first wave. And if anything, the first wave maybe breaks a few, breaks some ground for us, but doesn't become a barrier to entry at all. It really kind of primes the pump, if you will, for
3: right.
2: the, this new and improved paradigm that's coming along behind it.
1: I want to stick on, you know, what, um, there, there seems to also be, um, in addition to, to kind of educating the retail investor, almost educating them in how to invest, um, like a healthcare and biotech investor, which is fundamentally different. A lot of like, I mean, we were, we are in the cannabis space and we, we dealt with that whole green rush. That's why I named the show. Um, and those investors are just, it's a fundamentally different market. You know, you're investing in, in early stage biotech, you're not gonna see necessarily, uh, you know, this this great return uh, until many years from now, where, you know, people were looking to get in very quickly and be marijuana millionaires and all of that bullshit. Um, we're allowed to person the show. I should I have done that before. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oops. Um, but you know, I, do you do you see yourself doing some of that education? Like, you know, this isn't a, a pump and dump. This isn't something you buy and you sell three months later. This is a this is a hold. Get on board with us, be committed, um, and and trust us, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think there have been been many parallels, but also many disparities or discrepancies between the you know the cannabis space and the psychedelic space.
3: Yeah. One of the
2: one of the biggest ones is cannabis space right out the gate was already generating revenue. And so it was there was a little bit of sizzle about we're going to break new ground and grab new grow, new markets, and maybe we'll even all all generate um new pharmaceuticals that'll get us bought for 7 billion. There's a little bit of that seasoning on top. But at the end of the day was all already a market and it was, so there's generating revenues. There was no big, you got to do a 10 year clinical trial and spend $500 million or whatever the crazy right. number is that you have to spend. And then either we'll be worth 10 billion or nothing completely different um, mindsets, if you'll pardon the pun. And so with with this, I think the difference, honestly, is—I would say what you just, what I just described, is probably true of the first wave, the the GH researchers, the compass, the, the all that kind of thing. You got to go all the way through because you've got something where there's a lot of safety questions by the receptor industry, by pharma, by. Medi- medical doctors by regulators a lot of safety questions and so yeah those are the ones you got to go all the way through and so we saw those ones that were advanced there's a few of them now but it's really a small number that are that are still surviving that are late stage and everybody else is you know demolished in this non-hallucinogenic second wave i would say it's a little bit different because i actually don't think many of the non-hallucinogenic companies will survive as a standalone entity all the way to the end. I think they'll all get acquired. They'll mm. they'll get to phase 1, phase 2, they'll show that it, you know, doesn't cause hallucinations and I think most of them will get acquired right then. Right? So it's it's less of a 10-year horizon in this non-hallucinogenic space because of the dynamics I said earlier, right? There's more buyers than sellers. People already seem to be convinced on the mechanism and they don't have this safety issue to worry about. So I think it'll be a little bit different than your typical biotech. It'll be this little little sector that pops up, bunch of little companies, and then bam, 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 they're all gonna get bought. right? And it'll like yeah. disappear and they'll all be inside the big guys.
3: I think that leads really well into, you know, what's next for Enveric? You know, where do you see this company being in like one year, five year, ten years? Is it, you know, working to make yourselves an attractable a buy for, for a bigger company or, or is this a, a long haul for you guys?
2: Yeah, I think uh, for in one year we will still be making ourselves a very attractive buy because as I said earlier, I think the, the real trigger is going to be phase one, demonstration of lack of hallucinations. And so that's for us. The completion of phase one is, you know, it's probably a year and a half, two years from now, right? It's the end of 2025 ballpark. And I think that's when you start to be in the zone of you could get taken out. Five years from now, I don't, I don't think we'll still be here. I think, we'll, I think something will have happened. Either we'll have failed miserably, and our drugs will actually still cause hallucinations. In which case, what have we got? Um, or but i don't think that'll be the case or we've demonstrated that it seems to work and there's no hallucinations you know and then our goal you know I won't i can't say we will but our goal our target is to be acquired at some time so i don't i i really don't see us being here five years from now we'll either have succeeded we'll either have heroed or zeroed um, long before <laughs>
1: I love that. So I guess, how are you, are you fundraising now? How are we paying for the, these phase one trials? Um, you know, they're expensive. They're not expensive as phase three trials, but they're they're certainly not cheap.
2: Yeah. You know, as a biotech company, we're always fundraising. And after the last year, when almost nobody in, in the psychedelic space managed to raise any money through all of 2023 and 2022 it was pretty bleak. Yes, we're fundraising. <laughs> yep. Uh that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna fund it. Uh for sure, right? What's what's your option as a biotech company? Yeah. Uh, it,
1: yes. And I I feel like there was but there was conversations, I don't know, um and maybe this is pre-COVID, I don't know, COVID did weird things to time for me, but um, where, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know, there's money available. I don't know if I want to take it. And, you know, our advice to them would be like, take the money while you have it, while you can. And I think a lot of those companies are, um, you know, scrambling and kind of wishing they they had a little bit more of a cushion than they do at the, at the rates that they were.
2: Yes. Yes. I remember I had a, I had a board member... Uh, In previous years to this exact point, who is uh, a NASDAQ CEO for something like 25 years. He'd been through it all, raised all kinds of money, multiple companies. And I remember sitting in a board meeting with him once and we were talking about, you know, we've got an opportunity to raise money. And some of the some of the other directors were saying, "Well, you know, if we wait a little bit, the stock price could go up." And is this the best time? Or are these the best investors? And he actually said, and he, he you know referred to uh, the Happy Days end of end of the Happy Days series moment, um, the jumping the shark, if you know jumping the jumping the shark. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Said, well, I'm sitting here listening to biotech directors talking about." Timing the market, because that's what that is. If you're like, now is not a good time, we're doing that, that's timing the market. He's like, this is a jumping the shark moment right here. Um, And so I I completely agree. If money's available, you take it in biotech. And I actually want to answer my own question when I said a second ago, in biotech, other than fundraising, what else is there? There is actually one other thing, and that's partnering, right? Mm, Yeah. Through partnering, not only do you validate the company, validate the technology but very often comes with non-dilutive funding as well and we've seen that used actually in the psychedelic space very effectively by mindset right they mm. got an early partner deal that was really I wouldn't call it a true partner it was a you know it was an option deal where they they were given money from a pharma in exchange for a first look at the what the pharma company paid for and the ability to acquire them. And they did, they paid for it. It was non-dilutive. Apparently the results worked because mindset got acquired and good for them. Right. So that's the other, that's the other route. You can raise capital in the markets or you can do a partnership or you can do, you know, a combination. So those are all the kinds of things that we are obviously looking very, very closely at
3: yeah so i i guess when you look at the industry as a whole is that something that you think trend wise we're we're recording this in early 2024 that we could be seeing over this this next year because there's been a lot of companies that have popped up not a lot of them have reached to the point that you guys are at like are we going to see you know other other companies just like start to look to make the, those mergers or partnerships
2: i think on the non hallucinogenic side i absolutely expect that i expect in 2024 we will see a number of either partnerships or acquisitions, a number greater than one uh, of partnerships and acquisitions, specifically in the non hallucinogenic space. Psychedelic, you know, the hallucination inducing, not so sure, but on the non hallucinogenic, I totally expect to see that this year
3: and next year. I think it'll be a little flurry up the next two years. Well, I mean, I'm You'd- definitely going to be watching that story. <laughs>
1: Well, and speaking of story, so we ask all of our guests, um, or most of our guests, um, of a, an undertold told story, um, you know, where PR people were pitching the media all the time. Um, you know, what's, what is the biggest untold story you see in this space? I mean, I think I can guess from this discussion what you would say, um, but I want to open it up to you and see if I'm right.
2: Yeah, you mean the, the non-hallucinogenic is the, the, this is the, exactly, this is the dark horse, This is the dark horse in this sector. We're all still running around talking about MDMA and psilocybin and DMT and, and, you know, 5-methoxy DMT and deuterated DMT. All those things cause hallucinations. And I can tell you from firsthand, many firsthand conversations, industry doesn't want that. But there's a small handful of companies making non-hallucinogenics. They're the dark horse.
1: I love that story. I'd read it all day long. Dr. Joe Tucker, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on. And uh, let's do this again. Let's see where we are in six, eight months. Um, And uh, I mean, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be eventful.
2: Yeah, there's no question it'll be eventful. So thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, you guys. And it was fabulous to, uh, to have this conversation.
1: Likewise. Thanks, Joe. Thanks to Dr. Joseph Tucker, CEO of Enveric Biosciences. Check them out at Enveric, that's spelled E-N-V-E-R-I-C.com. They're traded on the NASDAQ at E-N-V-B. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Find us on X gosh, I hate saying that. Find us on X, the former Twitter with the handle at the underscore green rush or on Instagram at the green rush underscore podcast, or email us greenrush at kcsa.com. Um, you know, we get a lot of our pitch ideas from you guys, so please keep it up. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the green rush in your favorite podcatcher. Oh, and our newsletter, we've got a great newsletter, green podcast.com. Go check it out. That's one take, Shay, one bumpy take.